Welcome to the Faith Podcast. Thank you for tuning in today. I'm Pastor Carrick Butler II. We believe today's message will empower you to make Jesus famous in every area of your life. Here's today's message. Amen. So I take eyes to see, I take ears to hear, I forgive everybody of everything. I receive supernatural debt cancellation. The Word of God that I'm about to receive will enable me and empower me to make Jesus famous in my everyday life. You may be seated. Open your Bibles with me. Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1, continuing focus on fruitfulness. This is part four. Last week we talked about the fruit of the Spirit, what those were and what God expects us to produce in our lives. One of the things the Lord told us at the beginning of the year is to focus on fruitfulness. Like it when heaven says amen. Colossians chapter 1, verse 9, look at this prayer from the Apostle Paul. He says, for this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing. Now, what's walking worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing? Part of it, it says, is being fruitful in every good work and increasing the knowledge of God. So notice God wants us to be fruitful in every single good work. There's not one good work where he just wants us to do and it have no point whatsoever. Every good work. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Fruitful in every good work. First Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58. It says, therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast. Say steadfast. steadfast. Unmovable. Notice the next phrase. Always abounding and always overflowing in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. One of the translations I looked at earlier, it says, know that anything you do for God is never a waste. He wants us to be fruitful in every good work, overflowing in his work, and knowing what we do is not in vain. Now, what can happen is because of situations and circumstances and things that surround you and pressure and the lies of the enemy, it can make you feel what you do for God is worthless. Does it even matter? God, do you even see what I'm doing for you? God, why do you even put me in this situation? But notice, God wants us to be fruitful in every good work, and he wants us overflowing in his work. One translation says he wants us to be enthusiastic in his work. Go to Philippians chapter 1. Fruitful in every good work. 
overflowing in his work. Knowing that what we do for God is not in vain. Knowing that as we grow in the fruit of the Spirit, it's not in vain. It's not worthless. It matters in this life, and it matters to God. Notice what Paul said in verse 6. He says, being confident of this very thing, that he which has begun a good work in you will perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ. If he started it, he'll finish it. All you have to do is not give up in the process. Not quit in the middle when the going gets tough. It's saying, I'm going to be unmovable. I'm going to be steadfast. I'm going to overflow in the work of the Lord. I'm going to know that what I do is not worthless. So I'm going to keep fighting the good fight of faith. I'm going to keep going forward even when it looks impossible. Even when it looks like I don't know how I'm going to take my next step or my next breath, I know my God has got me. It's moving forward no matter what. You have to be confident. God, if you started it, you're going to finish it. Notice it's not our job to finish it. It wasn't our job to start it, so it's not our job to finish it. So you put the pressure back on God. Look, you put me here. You told me to do this. I'm the believer, not the performer. I'm the believer, not the starter. I'm the believer, not the finisher. So my hope, my trust is in you. I remember Dad Hagen telling stories about when he started Rama and how expensive it was to run Rama. And he told God, says, you know, I never want to do it anyway, so if you don't pay for it, I'll close it down and keep going. He said, I'll go around the whole nation and say, you couldn't pay for it. But it always came through, and it's still going today. Be confident that God can do what he says he can do. So when you go further, as Paul prays in this prayer, in verse 9, it says, I pray that your love may overflow more and more in knowledge and all judgment, that she may approve the things that are excellent and may be sincere and without offense to the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness which are by or through Jesus Christ unto the glory of the praise of God. So we're supposed to be filled with the fruits of righteousness, and every good work we do should be fruitful. Filled and fruitful. Remember, that's why I said focus on fullness and focus on fruitfulness, not focus on our circumstance, not focus on the pressure, focus on God is faithful, focus on I'm confident that God's got me. But what happens if he drops me? Well, he's going to have to deal with me when I get to heaven. God is going to do what he says. He says, I'm not a man that I should lie, nor the son of man that I should repent. And so, if he swore by himself that things would happen, it's going to happen. So, that's the basic line of faith, the basic line of trust. God, if you said it, I believe it, no matter what surrounds me. So, in the meantime, I'll be fruitful in every good work. In the meantime, I'll trust you, knowing that what I'm doing, my time in prayer, my time of reading the Word, my time of confessing the Word, it's not wasted. When I walk in love with people, when I serve, when I give, my tithes and offering, it's not wasted. So, God, my trust in you is to take what I do and make it worthwhile. 
It's like what Sister Gloria Copeland said. She prayed when she became born again. She said, Lord, take my life and do something with it. That's what our prayer is, that everything we do, Lord, take it and do something with it. You might say, well, I'm not perfect. None of us are. So you say, well, what I do is not perfect. Well, join the party. But know that God can take your imperfection and bring perfection out of it. That God will meet your natural and put his anointing on it, and it becomes more than enough. Go to Genesis 41, verse 52. Actually, before we go there, go to Jeremiah 17. Jeremiah 17, verse 5. Thus saith the Lord, cursed be the man that trusts in man and makes flesh his arm and whose heart departs from the Lord. Notice this man's heart had to start with the Lord if it departed from the Lord. So you're not talking about an unbeliever. You're not talking about someone who never knew God. You're talking about someone who knew God. That while he knew God, he leaned on his own strength, his own ability, his own education, and stayed there. And as he did that, his heart departed from God. And God says that path leads to the curse. Because now he doesn't trust in God, he trusts in what he can do. It says, for he shall be like the heath in the desert, and shall not see when good comes. But shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness, in a salt land, and not inhabit it. But blessed is the man that trusts in the Lord and whose hope the Lord is. For he shall be like a tree planted by the waters that spreads out her roots by the river and shall not see when heat comes. It doesn't mean heat won't come. Says he's not paying attention to it. He's not looking at it. But her leaf shall be green and shall not be careful in the year of drought. Neither shall cease from yielding fruit. Meaning that in the year of drought, this person still bears fruit. So in droughts and famines in your life, you can still be filled with the fruits of righteousness. In droughts and famines in your life, you can still be overflowing in the work of the Lord. And droughts and famines in your life, you can still abound in the work of the Lord, overflow in the work of the Lord, knowing that what you do is not in vain. That you can produce even when everyone says you can't produce. You can produce even when you think you can't produce. That you have enough faith that when you step into where you're supposed to be, God's anointing comes on you, and he'll do what he needs to do. That's how I preach a lot of times. He's like, oh, you must feel anointed all the time. That would be great. You must feel, feel full of faith all the time. That would be awesome. But do you know what I have faith in? That when I step up here and open my mouth, his anointing will come on me. Doesn't matter what I feel, doesn't matter what I think, doesn't matter what happened before I walked in this building. When I step behind here, the anointing's on me. So my faith is stepping into my grace. My faith is not in my ability. My faith is not in my study. My faith is not in how, how eloquent I can be. My faith is not in my creative examples. My faith is when I step up here, his grace comes on me and I can do what I need to do. So my faith is not in me. My faith is in the grace of God. Your faith can't be in you. 
It has to be in the grace of God that's on your life. It has to be on the anointing that's on your life. Because if you do, you'll be fruitful even when there's a drought around you. It says you won't cease from yielding fruit. Go to Psalm 1. Psalm 1. Psalm 1, verse 1. It says, Blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law does he meditate and think on and say and imagine day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he does shall prosper. So just like in Jeremiah 17, this person is planted. Just like 1 Corinthians 15, unmovable. How planted are you? How unmovable are you? How much pressure would it take for you to leave your spot? How much pressure would it take to get you to move? Because Satan will try to find that breaking point. Because if he knows that all I have to do is hit this situation again and you give up, that's what situation he's going to hit until you get the victory over that situation. How much pressure will it take for you to move? Because if you move, you're not planted. If you move and you're not planted, that means you can't keep bearing fruit. What type of tree do you see that keeps picking up and moving its roots all over the place? It's not just not going to bear fruit. It's going to dry up because it's not getting any nutrients. You must be planted so that you can be fruitful. It says, brings forth fruit in the season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth, shall prosper whatsoever. So now we're talking about being fruitful in every good work. But that also says whatever you touch prospers. To use another phrase, now you have the golden touch. Doesn't matter what you do. Doesn't matter what comes your way. It works. Doesn't matter what gets thrown in your lap. It works. Because you're planted. You're unmovable. You're abounding in the work of the Lord. Your hope, your trust is in God, not in yourself. You have to have confidence in the God who lives on the inside of you. You have to have confidence in the God who rushed upon you. You just can't have confidence in the person that is in the middle, which is you. Paul says, I put no confidence in the flesh. Because the day you put confidence in the flesh is the day your flesh lets you know it's still the flesh. You have to put confidence, your, your confidence in God. That through me, God can do what he said he can do. Go to Philippians 4.13. Philippians 4.13. So because my confidence is in God's ability, not my ability... I can boldly say Philippians 4.13, I can do all things 
through Christ, which strengtheneth me. So my confidence in this context is in the anointing, not in myself. When you talk about Christ, you're talking about the anointed one and the anointing he's anointed with. So my confidence has to be in the anointing that's on my life. And it's not just preachers who are anointed. Every believer is anointed. If you call yourself Christian, you call yourself an anointed one. You have to have confidence in the anointing that's on your life. You have to have confidence in the grace that's on your life. That because of Christ, in Christ, you are enough. So you can't say, well, I'm not enough for this situation. No. In Christ, you are enough. So they say, in Christ, I am enough. So notice your confidence is not in the me doing something. Your confidence is in the greater one living in you. Because when you have confidence that he's there and that he'll do it, he can do it through you. And people are all surprised by all the things that happen around you. And you got a nice poker face, so you smile, but you're the most surprised of all. And you look real cool. And people are like, oh, man, look what happened. You're like, oh, Jesus, look what happened. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, have mercy. Put your faith in the grace, not in your ability. Because if you keep your faith and your trust in God, you can be fruitful in all seasons. You can be fruitful even in the time of drought. You can only keep your faith in God if you also keep yourself walking in love and forgiveness. Because the moment you start getting bitter, the moment you start holding on to unforgiveness, your trust won't be in God. Now go to Genesis 41. Verse 52. We know Joseph and all the unfair things that happened to him. But he got into Potiphar's house and it says, and the Lord blessed him and the Lord was with him and everything Potiphar had was blessed. We know what happened to him. He got lied on and thrown into prison. But the Lord was with him and showed him favor and everything that happened in the prison was blessed. Now he becomes prime minister. Now he's ruling an empire. He gets married. He begins to have kids. He names the first one. And then he comes to name the second one. And it says in verse 52, And the name of the second called he Ephraim. Notice what he said. For God has caused me to be fruitful in the land of my affliction. God has caused me to be fruitful in the land of my trouble. So in a place where no one thinks you can be fruitful... In a place where you don't think you can be fruitful. In a place that reminds you of all your trouble, all your pain, everything you went through, everybody who lied on you, everybody who did something to you. A place you were put in, it wasn't your fault. You can still be fruitful. Amplified Version says that name Ephraim means fruitfulness. And he says, for God has caused me to be fruitful and very successful in the land of my suffering. We all will go through things, the suffering in this life. But the thing is, you can still be fruitful. The message version says it this way. He named his second son Ephraim double prosperity, saying, God has prospered me in the land of my sorrow. Which lets me know that where you are does not determine your prosperity. That what surrounds you does not determine your prosperity. Because we already saw in the land of drought and the famine, 
and the situation, and the land of trouble, and the land of affliction, and the land of sorrow, and the land of suffering, I can be fruitful. I can abound. I can prosper. But it's all connected to where is your trust? This whole time in Joseph's story, his trust, his faith was in God. Where is your faith? Where is your trust? If it gets to just you and Jesus, can you still hang? If everybody leaves you, everybody turns their back on you, and it's just you and Jesus, is it enough for you? I like what Pastor Kay said. She says, you know, part of this life of faith, it's also called how long can you hang? How much endurance have you built up? If you've ever done these certain exercises on the pull-up bar, and it's kind of easy to do pull-ups if you've built your upper muscles, but what gets difficult is if you hang for a while. How strong are your muscles? How strong are your faith muscles? How strong is your patience? How long can you hang? So, well, God, I need you to do this tomorrow. What if he doesn't do it tomorrow? How long can you hang? Well, I need you by next week. What if it doesn't happen next week? How long can you hang? How long do you say, well, God, you just can't do it? Well, I don't believe. How long can you hang? Because it's not God who's making extra time. You have to understand there is an enemy. When Daniel went to pray, could he get an answer? He stayed 21 days. And when the angelic being came and said, hey, your prayers were heard from the first time you opened your mouth, but the prince of the powers of Persia resisted me. These were demonic principalities. So when you're staying in faith and in patience, it's not like you're trying to get God to change his mind. God's mind towards you is already good. He's already released it. You have to realize you're still in a war and there's resistance. And you also have to realize, depending on what you're believing for, the Holy Ghost is working on the hearts of people who can be disobedient just like you. Or slow to obey just like you. So when Holy Ghost prompts your heart to do something, make sure you're quick to do it. Because you're sowing a seed of someone else will be quick to bless you. But how long can you hang? How long can you stay in faith? How long can you trust God? How long can you believe? How long do you say, well, my faith confession doesn't work anymore? How long do you say, well, this time in prayer, it's not really doing anything for me? How long do you say, well, I don't know what's the point of reading my Bible out loud? How long? How much pressure will move you? How much time will get you to give up? You got to put your faith in God. You have to put your confidence, your trust in God. You have to hope in God. You have to encourage yourself in the Lord. David learned to encourage himself in the Lord in impossible situations. He learned to pull himself back up together and, and move on. Like with Jacob, when he went to bury Rachel. Because Jacob went down to bury Rachel, but Israel moved on. You may have some situations you have to let go, but let the person of promise move on. Learn to leave the past in the past, the failures in the past, your issues in the past, even things that were successes that you take pride in in the past. 
and move on. Go forward. Well, how long do I keep moving forward till you get to heaven? How long do you stay faithful? Forever. We're not those who give up. Go to Hebrews chapter 10. Begin to wind this down. Hebrews chapter 10. Verse 35. Hebrews 10, verse 35. Cast not away. Don't throw away your confidence. It has a great recompense of reward. It has a great payday coming. For you have need of patience, endurance, that after you've done the will of God, you might receive the promise. Because faith and patience inherit the promise. For yet a little while, and he that shall come will come and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith. But if any man draw back, my soul shall not have pleasure in him. But we are not of them who draw back unto destruction, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. We're not those who cut and run. We're not those who give up. We're not those who turn and run away. We're those who believe. We're faith people. We're believers. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. To trust in God, you have to believe for things you can't see. Things you have no evidence on but the Word of God, and that has to be enough for you. To stand on the Word when you don't have a goosebump. To stand on the Word when you have no unction, no anointing, seemingly to you. But God, since you said it, I believe it, and here I stand. God, you be God, and I'll be me. The thing is, if you put yourself on the throne of your heart, you make yourself your own God, and you can't get yourself out of your own troubles. Get yourself off the throne of your heart and let God be God. He is the performer. You're the believer. Remember who he is. Put your faith in him. Put your trust in him. And believe, as you walk by faith and walk in love, everything shall be all right. Not all right meaning okay, but God will make everything right. So whatever it takes a while, then it takes a while. But God will make it right. That's where your faith has to be. Whatever you're looking at right now, say God's going to make it right. He said, well, Pastor, you don't know. It doesn't matter. God's going to make it right. So, but you don't know what I just went through. God's going to make it right. You don't know what a decision I have to make. God's going to make it right. You don't know what to deal with tomorrow. God's going to make it right. Why? My faith is in him. My trust is in him. So what if it gets really tough? God's going to make it right. So by the time you're done with it, he's like, whew, it was worth it. You know, Joseph went through a lot. But he ended up as prime minister in the palace. And he said, well, let's go to Genesis 50, 20. We're in there. Genesis 50, 20. Genesis 50, 20. 
This is Joseph talking to his brothers. He says, but as for you, you thought evil and trouble against me. But God meant it unto good to bring to pass as it is this day to save much people alive. You thought evil against me. You tried to kill me. But God turned it for my good. That when you threw me in the pit and you planned to kill me, all of a sudden these Ishmaelites came to pick me up. And see, it's interesting that they're Ishmaelites because we think Ishmael projects are always bad because it's a project of the flesh. Yes, we're not supposed to initiate all these projects of the flesh. But notice that when it came to get Joseph out of the pit, it was something that people couldn't think God could ever use again. He said, well, you don't know how many Ishmaels I have running around in my life. You just repent and you turn to God. God can make Ishmael get you out of a pit. He goes to Potiphar's house, is blessed. Ends up in prison, still blessed. Gets to the palace. And he looks back over his life and doesn't bring up all the pain and trouble. He said, God turned it for my good. Because the first name, his first son, Manasseh, can also translate it forgotten. He says, I have forgotten what I went through. I have forgotten my parents' home and all the trouble I went through there. I forgot. He says, now he's giving me double prosperity. You have to get to a place where you forget. It's like I let it go. He said, well, I'll remember it. You can remember it, but the pain won't be there. Because now you're in your place of double prosperity. And what's the point of looking back of the past and pain when you're living in double prosperity? Well, pastor, it happened yesterday. Move forward. It happened right before I came to church. Move forward. And believe that God will make it right. Amen. Stand to your feet. Oh, Father, we thank you. Our hope and our trust is in you. And, Father, I'm believing for every single one in here, myself included, for every situation we're facing, everything we're looking at. Our trust is in you, Jehovah Tiskanu, the God of righteousness and the God who makes everything all right. We lean into you right now with our faith, with our confidence in you, believing that he who began a good work in us will carry it on to the day of completion in Christ Jesus. So, Father, make it right in every single area represented here, in every single place. Make it right because you're the God of peace, the God of shalom, of wholeness, nothing missing, nothing broken. And we're here having things missing in our life. We're here having things broken in our life. But we take the missing pieces, we take the broken pieces, and we place it before you, Father, as a precious sacrifice right now. Make us whole. Make it right. Bring restoration because of the power of the blessing. And, Father, I ask that a sudden, supernaturally quick, that you accelerate it. Our faith is in you. Our trust is in you. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, everyone say amen. I hope you enjoyed today's message. We never want to close a broadcast without giving you an opportunity to make Jesus the Lord of your life. So if you've never asked him into your heart, you've never made him your Lord and Savior, pray this prayer with me today and mean it from your heart. Say, Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus is your son. I believe that he died for me, but on the third day, you raised him from the dead. Dear Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Save me now. Forgive me of my sins. Fill me with your spirit and help me to live 
this Christian life. If you prayed that prayer and meant it from your heart, we believe you've been born again. We ask that you email us at info at FCCGA.com. That's FCCGA.com to let us know about the decision you've made for Christ today. Have an amazing day.